Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I am your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to our generous underwriters on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Monday, December 5th, we are studying the hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. That is hymn number 338 in Lutheran Service Book. This hymn by Charles Wesley helps us to pray that the Savior who came as a child and as a king would come to us still and bring his kingdom to us. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us returning guest, Pastor Andrew Jago. Pastor Jago serves at Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Pastor Jago, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy Advent, Pastor Jago. Yes, indeed. Yes, we got to meet John the Baptist yesterday in the second Sunday in Advent, and now we get to sing a hymn by Charles Wesley. Let's talk a little bit about the season of Advent as we get started. We're a couple weeks in, as we said. What should we know about Advent, its themes, why it's helpful for the church and for Christians? Well, I, it's one of those things with, with us being a, a part of the um, protesting churches, going away from the Roman Catholic things, but we didn't give up a lot, all of our traditions, especially those traditions that really help us to focus on Christ. And so we st- there's a lot in Advent that's visual and things that we hear as well. So looking at the, the wreath. A lot of churches have a circle of candles with some evergreen around it to remind us of God's eternity. And we light a candle each Advent in preparation for uh, the, the final candle, which is in the middle, to be lit. And that's the celebration of Christmas. But there's, like the hymn that we're going to look at, a lot of longing and expectation, not just for Christmas, but Advent reminds us to be on the watch, to, to be looking out for our Lord's second coming. Hmm. So talk a little bit more about that that dual focus of Advent. How do we how do we look for both of those comings of Christ in the season of Advent? Well, our hymns are a great way to do that. There's traditional prayers uh, that also uh, we embrace during the season. Uh, you'll you'll see a lot of you know the rending of the heavens and the looking uh, for our Lord to come and to come into our hearts, to come into our worship. So even here and now, we have our Lord in word and sacrament. Uh, so there's, there's that longing and expectation, but also the celebration that our Lord comes to us, just as he came to Mary and Joseph at Christmas time. Mm, that's right. So there's that, that middle coming of the Lord that we talk about during Advent as well, the coming to us right now in word and sacrament. So the, the prayer of Advent is, come Lord Jesus, in a threefold way. One, thinking through what the saints of old prayed, come Lord Jesus, how we still pray that today, that he would come and be with us as our Savior, and that he would finally come on the last day to take us to our eternal home. So, Pastor Jago, as you think about the season of Advent, what's your what's your favorite Advent hymn? Oh, my favorite of all time is Paul Gerhardt's "Oh Lord, How Shall I Meet You?" Uh, because how should we meet the Lord? How should we welcome Him aright? As Gerhardt writes, 
Um, we do that because the Lord can kindle in our hearts our faith. And faith comes by hearing. And boy, do we hear the gospel in verse 4 of that hymn. Uh, it's something that I quote often in Bible classes and sermons. Love caused your incarnation. Love brought you down to me. Thy thirst for my salvation procured my liberty. Oh, love beyond all t- telling. All, well, I'm, I'm getting messed up here because I don't have it in front of me. But uh, you get the idea. Love caused our Lord to come down to us. And when I hear that oh my goodness it's it's like that Holy Spirit spark uh, the the lights of fire for this season uh, you you have chosen wisely that that too is my favorite Edvin hymn I, I just and the favorite stanza as well I love that stanza in particular I've been asking mm-hmm. our listeners to let us know what their favorite Advent hymn is. And I received some correspondence over the weekend uh, from Hannah in Texas. She is one of our younger listeners. She is five years old. And according to her mom, uh, Hannah's favorite Advent hymn is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And a second mm-hmm. a second favorite, which is close behind, is the Advent of Our King. So thank you, Hannah, for letting us know your favorite Advent hymns. I also had a, a local listener in the area stop by and, and she mentioned that her favorite Advent hymn was one that we actually sang this past Sunday on Jordan's Bank, The Baptist's Cry. Uh, we sang that this past Sunday here at Faith, and we're going to be looking at it coming up on Sharper Iron. She mentioned that it's her favorite Advent hymn because it's one of the first ones she learned to play, uh, I believe, on the mm. organ. So lots of wonderful Advent hymns. We love to hear from you, dear listener. If you want to let us know your favorite Advent hymn, please send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Let us know where you're listening and what your favorite favorite Advent hymn is. Pastor Jago, we get to look at number 338 in Lutheran Service Book this morning, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Just talk about the hymn in general, how it fits into the, the season of Advent before we start looking at the individual lines within the stanzas. Well, sure. First of all, let me commend you. What a great idea this is. I, you know, I, when I was preparing, I thought maybe this wouldn't, you know, be as detailed as, say, a Bible study. But it is. After every other line in this hymn, uh, there's just so many images and so many, so many other texts of the Bible to explore that related to this. I was like, wow, this is, uh, this is, this. What a great idea. So thank you for that. Um, for this hymn, "Come Thou Long Expected Jesus," I would say we get all the Advent. So there's so many Advent themes, and sometimes those themes are related in the the candles that we light. There's different traditions with those, but in general, churches light candles and say they represent hope and peace and love. And the third one is always joy. That's the pink candle that we write, uh, that we light for uh, for the Advent season. So you're going to see all those themes, plus a lot more, especially the reign of Jesus, the Messiah, the Messianic King who comes to us. So like I say, this has all the Advent. We're going to get into a lot of the scripture and a lot of the, the hope, the joy, and the longing and expectation that this hymn describes. There really is a whole lot packed into these two short stanzas. Talk a little bit about the author, Charles Wesley. We've we've met him before in our studies. He is also the author of hymn number 336, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending, and of course, a very prolific hymn writer in general. Let's Let's talk a little bit about Charles Wesley again. Yeah, another one of my favorites there. <laughs> but uh, So he was ordained in 1735 and started uh, with his career as, as being a preacher here in the United States in the, in the colony at that time of Georgia. Um, 
And then he went back to England. He went around with his brother John, was an itinerant preacher. Um, and because of the two of them, they began this movement within the Anglican Church called Methodism. We know Charles Wesley hymn-wise, probably he's best known for his Christmas hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, uh, which was originally Hark How All the Welkin Rings. Now, that was, that was published in 1739. Later, after that, again, while he's preaching around England, uh, he writes a book called Hymns for the Nativity of Our Lord, and that hymn number 10 of that book is Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. So it was originally published, you said, as a, a nativity, a Christmas hymn, it sounds like, although we, we've seen some overlap between Christmas and, and Advent. I think it, it, you could see how it fits into both seasons. Uh, let, mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the, can you tell us a little about the, the tune? Well, sure, because Jefferson um, was was the tune, and it was included in a book called Southern Harmony. Uh, looking into this, what a great story. In 1835, Billy, singing Billy Walker, William Walker, uh, was going around and collecting and organizing the sounds of uh, Southern Appalachia. Uh, so not too far from where I am here in Virginia. Uh, a lot of these songs were uh, Welsh and Scotch and Irish and English. Uh, but they, they were, they were, of course, tuned to the mountains there. And, and uh, so he took some of those, those tunes. And the Southern Harmony gives us a lot of really great hymn tunes in our hymnal. Um, so the, 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 the setting is from a Lutheran composer who is a graduate of Concordia River Forest, Mr. Donald Bussereau, uh, who also a, was a Lutheran teacher and, and a church musician as well. All right, so plenty of, of good things in this hymn. Another one by Charles Wesley, a, a wonderful English hymn writer. I I love, as you mentioned, you know, your favorite hymn being, Oh Lord, How Shall I Meet You? That's one written by Paul Gerhardt. I think he's probably my favorite hymn writer of all time. But I mm -hmm. think in terms of English hymn writers, Charles Wesley is certainly in the top, toward the top of the list. He's got some fantastic hymns. Again, this is the second one we're considering. You mentioned Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which is a fantastic text and has a lot of uh, theological depth to it. And so we, we get some more of that theological depth here from uh, Charles Wesley. And in, in this hymn, again, only two stanzas long. Uh, but what's the, I mean, what's the focus of this hymn before we dig in? Well, the focus is right there in the, the hymn, long expected. Uh, so we're, 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 looking, we're, we're, we're looking with expectation. This whole hymn is, has got that as, as, a, um, as a theme. Uh, so you know, with that in mind, you know, we, we, like I said, we think of this hymn as just having a lot of the prophets, a lot of the, the people of, that we encounter in the Gospel of Luke who sing <laughs> and, and give us a lot of our liturgical songs. Uh, but, but the theme in general is this longing and expectation for Jesus to come. All right, let's go ahead and start reading this hymn. Again, this is number 338 in Lutheran Service Book, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Here is stanza one. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. That's the first stanza of the hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. 
So, Pastor Jago, let's start with those the part of the title, the long expected Jesus. Let's talk about that theme of expectation that is here in the first line and and really throughout the hymn. <laughs> the first connection that I made, I, I go back to when we were waiting for our first child to be born and reading the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, there, there was a time of longing, you know, and I'm, I'm, for my wife, it was, you know, the, the looking forward to the moment where we, you know, she finally could give birth. Um, and, you know, so the, the, the expectation of a child, I think, is a great way to think about, you know, because it was a child that, that, uh, that we were, that we were uh, celebrating at Christmas time. Uh, the invitation, come thou long expected. What is long expected? You're waiting. Uh, and one of the, the um, allusions here, I think one of the images is Psalm 130. Uh, we wait like a watchman waits for the morning. Uh, there's another Advent hymn I love. It's not in our new hymn, no, but in, it was in the, the TLH, the old hymn, The Watchman Tell Us of the Night. Uh, it's based on a very obscure verse in, in Isaiah, but uh, it gives us, it tells a story of a watchman who's, who's there waiting and looking up at the night sky. Um, what a wonderful image for us to hold in our head, in addition to the longing and expectation it takes to, to prepare for a child. There's, there's not only the expectation, you know, how you feel, but you also have to be doing some things to prepare for that child to come as well. Um, you know, uh, so I am a, uh, an adopted child, and uh, my parents uh, adopted me as an infant. And one of the things that, that they, they they didn't know when they would get that phone call from Lutheran Social Services that there was there was a child waiting to be picked up. Um, so I'm just thinking of this now. My mom was making lasagna. They had a, uh, uh, a, a they were expect they had somebody coming over to the house for dinner, uh, and then they got the phone call. So that person got ushered out of the house as quickly as possible so they could go pick up a crib and you know, diapers and, and some other necessary wow. things uh, for my arrival the next day. Uh, so, you know, there was so we don't know the day or the hour of our Lord's second coming, uh, but we, we should be busy about, you know, having that, the, 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 the things to do, you know, as we wait, we, being in the Lord's word and praying and, uh, and receiving him in word and sacrament as well. I really like the way that you're connecting the theme of the watchman with the long-expected Jesus and the, the theme of expectation. And I think that helps us to see the importance of the season of Advent in a world in w that rushes to Chris Christmas. I mean, the, the world around us has rushed to Christmas long before Advent started. And here we are in the church saying, well, hold on a little bit. Let's let's take these four weeks and maybe we're not going to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing just yet. We're going to sing this hymn by Wesley first. And connecting it to the Watchman image, I, I think, helps us see the importance of Advent because it's not just like your pastor's kind of raining on the fun and you want to sing all the, the fun hymns and he doesn't want to yet. It's it's not that. But it's it's part of this Christian discipline of waiting and watching and looking and expecting the Lord and the season of Advent in helping us to wait, which is not something we're always very good at, teaches us to use that time of waiting to expect and to long and to use, as you said, to prepare for our Lord's coming. So that even if, you know, even if Advent does come to an end with the celebration of Christmas and our Lord doesn't return during the season of Advent, we've taken those four weeks at least 
to help us learn how to wait and prepare and expect our Lord's coming for the day when he does come, whenever that may be. Yeah, it's long expected. You have a, a, a far sight, a far vision. And when the time is appropriate, when the time has fully come, then our Lord arrives just on time. Mm, that's right. And, and we need to learn to, to wait for that, to expect that. As we, as we say in the creed, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. This is an act of longing for it, expecting our Lord to come. And so we pray in this hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And then we have Born to Set Thy People Free. Let's talk about that theme of freedom that Wesley brings up in this first line. Right, and what is what are we being set free from? Uh, we have that in the very next line here, our fears and our sins from our fears and sins release us and this connects very well to another prophecy of of the prophet isaiah that i love in isaiah it's described you know, the vision that isaiah saw and what did isaiah see he sees the spirit of the sovereign lord is on me because the lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus, in a sermon in Nazareth, <laughs> said, this is now fulfilled in your hearing. This is about me. <laughs> this, is, this is about the, the Messiah. Now the Messiah uh, has come. And, and the coming is about releasing from darkness, the freedom for the captives, from our seers, sins and fears, release us. These are the things that imprison the soul. Everyone who sins is a, is a slave to sin. That's what Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Anyone who's, who's tried to stop saying, you know, they, 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 they ask the Lord for forgiveness and they know what they're doing is wrong, well, we know the truth of this. It's a struggle. It's a struggle to say kind words when uh, we feel like we're impatient and angry, especially as friends and, and family get closer during this time of year. Uh, it's a struggle to, to stop bad and destructive habits, to not always think with our, just to, to be selfish and, and care for ourselves, but to extend our heart out first to God and then to people around us. So the, the, the heart of the gospel is, is freedom, deliverance, redemption. Uh, so I, I, the image here, I think, is that prison door described by Isaiah opening. Uh, from our fears and sins, release us. When we are expecting our Lord to come, our long-expected Lord, uh, we know that he's going to release us from those things in his death and in his resurrection. And in the next line, let us find our rest in thee. Uh, we know that we have that promise from the Lord when, that, when we're released from our sins and fears. When our enemies are defeated, sin, death, and the devil, uh, then we hear our Lord's invitation. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Freedom is truly means means so much in the scriptures, but you know we just think of it as a as a, in a general way, perhaps you know when we think of political freedoms and constitutional freedoms and freedom to do this, that, or the other thing. But when you get down to, to being released from things like sin and fear, well, then you're talking about freedom that goes so deep we can't even fathom and imagine uh, that we can lay down every burden we have at the foot of the cross. That is true freedom, right there. Yeah, I mean, I think this, this really gives us a, a great picture of biblical freedom. As Americans, I think we often hear the word freedom, and we think that means that I can do whatever I want to do, that you can't tell me what to do. 
I am free to, to make my own choices. That's not the picture of freedom that Wesley gives us here. As you said, drawing from that quotation from Isaiah 61, which Jesus uses in his first sermon in Nazareth, here the picture of freedom is to be in Christ, to be, to, you know, to, there's these enemies that are oppressing us, but then he doesn't just set us free and sort of throw us out there on our own, but instead he invites us to find that rest in him. And that's, that's true freedom, not just doing whatever I want and certainly not whatever my sinful nature wants, but to actually be with Christ and to be in him and to have his rest and to, you know, and then involved in it, you know, like to follow his word, to listen to his word, to receive all the gifts that he has there for us in his word. That's true freedom in that rest that's in Christ. It's so much greater than, again, what that, that common American perception might be. Indeed. Yeah, it goes a lot deeper than that. Right. So, okay. So, come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Wesley continues then, Israel's strength and consolation. And with that word consolation, my mind goes to, to a particular figure in the Gospel of Luke. I think you mentioned the Gospel of Luke earlier with Simeon. Mm -hmm. He's the one, I think, that's, that's spoken of waiting for the consolation of Israel. And it, I mean, I don't know that Wesley had him in mind only, but certainly he seems to fit here in this stanza. Absolutely. And you know, what is consolation? You know, so we have the, the watchman on the tower. We're waiting, long expecting our Savior to come. The prison door opens, and we are freed from our sins and fears. And so now strength and consolation. I think of a, a shepherd who's able to beat back uh, a lion or, or, or some predator, but still hold a lamb tenderly to his breast. Consolation there that with the tenderness. Um, so, you know, waiting for the consolation of Israel is Simeon. So he's, he's waiting for that deliverer, that redeemer, somebody who will be strong, like a, a powerful king, but also the, the consolation who will, who will speak tenderly to Jerusalem, uh, who will give that, that hope uh, that is there, that, that is eternal hope in, in, our, in that Savior, who will, who will save people from their sins. Well, that's in Simeon's song. <laughs> when he, when he's, his, the Holy Spirit, it says, is, is there and directs his attention to Mary and Joseph who, who come into the temple. And we're reminded of another prophecy. The Lord suddenly has come into his temple. Simeon recognizes that moment, comes, and <laughs> Mary or, and Joseph allows Simeon to take the child in his arms, and, and he sings. There's a lot of singing that goes on in the Gospel of Luke in the first two chapters there to set the stage for, for the Gospel. Um, and he says, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, now you can, he, he's long expected, he's waited his whole life, and now he can we could, we, he says, now you may dismiss your servant in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation, ah, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. So not just Israel's consolation, and here we have this in the hymn as well, Israel's strength and consolation, but in the next line, hope of all the earth, not just Israel, but all the earth. 
so it is, this has been prepared in the sight of the Gentiles, a life of revelation to the Gentiles, to the nations, to all the earth, if you will, and the, and the glory of your people, Israel. So both and. It's good news for Israel. It's good news for the whole earth. And Simeon is there holding that hope in his arms, both the strength and the consolation. Talking about Simeon and mentioning his song that's recorded there in Luke chapter 2, in Latin it's called the Nunc Dimittis. You, you were quoting the words that Simeon sang, and those words are familiar to many Christians who sing them still in connection with the reception of the sacrament of the altar. Many Christian congregations, not perhaps every Sunday, but during certain times of the year, that is one of the post-communion canticles that is sung. We sing those same words, and what a a marvelous connection to us, to what Simeon experienced as he held the baby Jesus in his arms. He knew that strength and consolation of Israel. And so for us today, when we receive that same Lord Jesus Christ in his body and his blood, we have that same strength and consolation that he first gave to Simeon, he now gives to us. And, and I think that I love that connection to Simeon. But it, because it reminds us, again, as we were saying toward the beginning of our, our time together, that the season of Advent isn't just a, a looking backward and sort of remembering what the saints of old experienced. And it's not only the looking forward to our Lord's final coming, but it's also experiencing his strength and consolation as he comes to us right now. And the connection, again, to Simeon, I think, helps us to, to keep this hymn in the present tense, that, that as we receive the Lord's body and blood, we receive that same strength and consolation that Jesus came to bring. Indeed. Uh, by the way, I, I, you may hear some background noise. That's our children going into practice. Our preschool is practicing uh, for a Christmas service here. So uh, if there's a little extra crazy. background noise, that's what it is. That's um, fantastic. And, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, the present tense, I, the Lord, now I see your salvation. And again, the hope and the consolation, uh, the strength and consolation. So God, when we receive Holy Communion, we have the strength to go back out into the world and to live. Uh, to, 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 you know, to take Jesus out into the world, to take his forgiveness, to take uh, that spiritual strength. Um, but then the consolation, too, knowing that our sins are truly forgiven. So we have that seal, that promise, that pledge there in Holy Communion as well. What a fantastic gift from our Lord Jesus Christ, the long-expected one who comes to us still today to bring us strength and consolation. We need to take a break on Sharper Iron. We're talking to Pastor Andrew Jago this morning about the hymn, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. We will be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. 
This is Luther Classical College, a college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org, subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Monday, December 5th. We're studying the hymn, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus, number 338 in Lutheran Service Book, with Pastor Andrew Jago. He serves at Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Pastor Jago, prior to the break, we were talking about that line, Israel's strength and consolation. And as you were, you were talking about that, those two images put together, strength and consolation, might and comfort, I was reminded of a, a reading that is often heard during the season of Advent from Isaiah 40. We often think of the, the Isaiah 40 passage, comfort, comfort ye my people. As you continue in that text in verses 10 through 11, Isaiah puts these same two images together. Isaiah 40 verses 10 and 11 say, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. So there in verse 10, you've got the might of the Lord. And then in verse 11, the image, it's related, but it shifts. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So you've got, you know, side by side there in Isaiah 40, the same image that the Lord God is the strength, the might of Israel, but also the comfort and the consolation of Israel. And and just thinking through that, you know, what Isaiah says, the way you were connecting it to Simeon in Luke 2, this is a, I think you see this ultimately in the in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, Simeon, he's holding this baby, <laughs> a tiny baby, and he's saying that that this one is the strength and consolation of Israel. Well, he's not that old yet. What do you mean he's the strength and consolation of Israel? And then you, you know, fast forward to the cross, that, that there on the cross, the Lord in his death, that's the strength and the consolation of Israel. What a, what a wonderful mystery that, that our Lord brings these things in weakness, and yet he truly does. He is our strength. He is our consolation through these you know, just wonderful ways, his incarnation, his death, and, and his resurrection and ascension as well. But just what a wonderful scriptural theme in just that short line that Wesley gives us. You know, and here we are. We haven't even finished with the first stanza yet. And there's all these images to unpack. So, all right. So we've got Israel's strength and consolation. And then Wesley says, hope of all the earth thou art. You talked a little bit about the fact that this is all the earth. And that that continues into the the last part of the hymn. But spend a little more time on the word hope. This is a a word that we use often in in Christianity and, and sometimes gets thrown around in the world, too. But I think Christian hope is has a distinct emphasis from what the world says when it talks about hope. So let's talk a little bit about that Christian hope. Well, the the object, the center. So I mean, there's there's a lot of like fading hope, of course. You know, I hope that this Christmas is joyful and peaceful for all people. You know, I hope uh, that, that my uh, my my oldest daughter gets through finals week in college with <laughs> un, unblemished. You know, yeah, just it gets through that with good grades. And uh, I hope my my youngest has a great senior year. There's a lot of hopes there, but those hopes are you know the, those come and go. Those are the things of this world. You know, I, the, the the hope for uh, for things as long as they're they're centered on things in this world, you know, they're 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 going to fade, uh, just like the the flower fades and the grass withers in Isaiah's prophecy. But 
the word of our Lord is what stands forever. So the hope, when the object of that hope is in Jesus, in the consolation and strength of the cross and of his resurrection, then that's hope that's going to continue on well past Christmas into the new year. It's going to outlast any of our New Year's resolutions. It's going to outlast you know, all the, the ups and downs in life uh, that we encounter, that we go through. Uh, it's something that, that, that is going to see us through until uh, our Lord comes again. Yeah, and this is something that the church has to proclaim in Christ that you can't find anywhere else. This is the the hope that that all people need. And that is that is what Wesley invites us to sing. He is the hope of all the earth. I mean, let's talk about that universal nature as as Wesley brings it out here, and not only in that line, but as the stanza continues, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. So I mean, how does how is Jesus the fulfillment of all of these things for all people? Yeah, we had the long expected so the the expectation and and now we're we have the longing here. Um, every longing heart and every longing heart is 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 going to have that joy. Why? Because the dear desire of every nation. What's well? What's that? What's the desire of every nation? What, what do we desire? If you're in Ukraine and other places in the world, it's uh, an end to war uh, and the suffering that that entails. It's, you know, we want uh, an end to people uh, who are you know, hunger and famine. We want an end to uh, people who, who suffer and are sick, like with cancer. And, and you know, so there's, there's a lot of that that people could desire. Um, but this is a little different. In Haggai chapter 2, Haggai, one of the the book of the twelve, one of the one of the minor prophets, is a very short short prophecy, uh, and the, and the prophet, but that's where that phrase "desire of every nation." So Wesley's drawing from a wide variety of of scripture, and and looking especially, you know, not just to the gospels, to but to the prophets as well. Haggai two seven reads, "I will shake all the nations, and what is desired by all the nations will come." And I will fill this house, that is the temple, with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The temple had lost a lot of its glory. That's in Israel's history uh, because of the the split of the nation and then uh, the the invasion of foreign powers and Israel, uh, Judah, taken captive, uh, taken captive to Babylon. But then when the Persians come, they're allowed to settle back into their land. And they look on the temple with with sadness in their hearts. They're downhearted because there's nothing that, that is there that could compare to the former glory of the temple. So here's a little encouragement by the prophet uh, that the desire of all the nations will come and fill this house with glory. So that's the prophet there. I like to, to think, I, I tell this and say this, and this isn't original to me. This was, I think, first, I first heard this from Andrew Bartelt in his lectures on Isaiah. But I, I like to look at the mountains that the prophets see. There's a mountain, and I, since I've been visiting the Shenandoah Valley a lot more, I, this is, this would be, I have a lot of photographs and illustrations that I can add to my, to my Bible classes. You know, there's a mountain that's right there in the prophet's view. That would be the restoration of the temple. But then there's a little mountain 
down and perhaps a little ways off uh, that that it is has got some definition to it, and maybe that's the mountain you know where some of this prophecy is is fulfilled also in the person of Jesus so when Jesus came and in, in, in that moment and in his death and resurrection, uh, the desire of all the nations when he came of course the 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 kings you know said uh, the wise men came with with the gold and frankincense and myrrh, so the nations brought their treasure to this the desire of the nations well then of course the, there's the final fulfillment that last mountain is really hazy out in the distance there and, and maybe that's our Lord's second coming and the desire of the nations you know we think of the treasure of the nations coming into the temple of the Lord well after the gospel goes out into the world there'll be a great harvest of souls uh, and and what, what would be a greater treasure than than souls that are that are one and, and are saved there in our Lord's house for all eternity. So, you know, I think of those those three mountains when I, I look at this prophecy of Haggai. Yeah, what a what a fantastic connection that Wesley helps us make there. The the desire of nations reminds me of another Advent hymn, which is a favorite of many. O come, O come, Emmanuel. At least in Lutheran service book, the last stanza is O come, desire of nations. And there, you know, I think the prayer fits well with what Wesley invites us to pray in this hymn. O come, desire of nations, bind in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad divisions cease, and be thyself our king of peace. You you talked about what what do nations desire, the end of war, uh, peace. I mean, you know, I think nations around the world do desire that, and certainly the church prays for it. And, And how often does the world... You know, desire those things. They can see that something's wrong when there is warfare between nations. They they know something's not quite right. They feel the effects of sin that we all feel, but they may not know where to look or what the solution is. And that's where the proclamation of the church is so important that that we can point to this one who has come and will come again and say, "Look, Jesus, the long expected one. He is the one to desire. He is the one who comes to to." bid our sad division cease to be our king of peace. And and what the writer of, of the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, brings out, I think maybe Wesley has in mind those those phrases from Isaiah 9, among them, Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the child who is born, the son who is given, the government is on his shoulders. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and because I think he's all of those, he's also the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. That's right. And then the stanza ends with joy of every longing heart. And you, you talked a little bit about the longing hearts, and we've we've started there with the long-expected Jesus. But as you said, we get all of Advent in this one hymn, and here we, we come and it's been implicit elsewhere in the stanza, but here it's very explicit. Here we have joy. Talk about the joy that we get from Jesus. Yes, I, I think of that Sunday where you like the, the pink candle, just looking at the pink candle. It's supposed to make you happy. <laughs> it's supposed to give you a little bit of, of joy and remind you of the uh, of the joy that's to come and the celebration of Christmas, but also the not just the fading joys, you know, just not just the the little joys that that, will, that are fine, you know. My we have a we have an Advent calendar that has some chocolate, I think, in in our home, so you know that gives us a little bit of joy, a uh, little bit of joy in, in the company that comes calling and the food that we eat and the decorations that go up. Uh, but you know those the decorations come down. 
down after Christmas. The chocolate eventually gets eaten along with the food that we enjoy with our company. But there's joy that lasts, that, that is eternal. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always, Paul reminds us. Uh, so that's why it's important to remember uh, the joy along with the waiting and, and hope and expectation along with the love, along with the peace, <laughs> the joy has to be along with that. And now we've, we've finished that first stanza, and we have all the Advent in one stanza right there. That's all the candles of the Advent wreath that we've lit just with that one stanza. All right. So this is, again, this is more than the hymn that you pick because it's short and you're trying to get out of church a little bit faster because it's two stanzas. No, there's so much here for us to yes. consider in the hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Let's turn to stanza two. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, Raise us to thy glorious throne. That's the second stanza of the hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. All right, so let's talk about the, that first couplet. We have the, the word born here yet again, born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. I, I think that line puts us pretty, pretty squarely in the realm of Christmas, the first coming of our Lord. Uh, take us into those words from Wesley. Yes. Uh, so, first of all, we, what I love about this hymn that Wesley wrote is that we don't, we never take our eyes off of Jesus. You know, so the first stanza is longing and expectation, but our eyes are focused on the coming of our Lord. And this stanza, I think, where the 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 thought that connects all of it and all these couplets is is the is the King, the reign uh, that this child ushers in with a birth, with this holy birth in Bethlehem. Uh, so a holy child of Bethlehem uh, be born in us in us today. So he's born to the people. He's born as a king. And I think we, we get into to, to where else our Lord is born you know, as we get into the stanza a little bit. But let's, just in these first two, the first two lines here, uh, born for a purpose, born for the people to be delivered, and a child and a king. Now, connecting those two things, being delivered and a king, I, we did a, a series at our church at the beginning of this year on King David, uh, thinking of how he went out and conquered. You know, he was, he was a man that, that knew about war and warfare, uh, but because he defeated all of Israel's enemies, he first of all united the tribes and then defeated all of Israel's enemies, uh, and, and because of that, his son Solomon, that he sets the table for his son to to have that peaceful kingdom. Uh, all the enemies, that, you know, the, and Israel was able to enjoy a, a time of peace. Unfortunately, a short time, or or the, the well, a short time, but at the lifetime of Solomon. But then, eventually, you know, the the enemies come knocking on the door again because we live in in a dark, sinful world. But our Lord came to remedy that, to 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 defeat once and for all the old enemies of sin and death and the devil, uh, and and to to give us a final and complete rest from all of our enemies. Uh, so that's why you know that's the. The, the idea that Jesus is not only, uh, he's the son of God, but also son of Mary, son of David. Uh, the angel gives that promise to Mary. He declares, uh, angel Gabriel declares, he will be great, this child will be great, and will be called son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. 
So he's the king who delivers us, just like David did, from all of our enemies, not just in a, in a temporary way, but in a, in a, in a, in a, in a final way uh, that lasts for all of eternity. So of that throne of David, there's all this longing, there's all this expectation, and God gave David the promise, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. In 2 Samuel 7, it will be established forever, God says. Now how can that be fulfilled uh, except in the person of Jesus Christ? He's the one that really fulfills that promise that God gave to David. Yeah, those and all of that just from born a child and yet a king, the one who will deliver his people. We heard in worship yesterday from Isaiah 11, where you hear about the stump or the the shoot that comes forth from the stump of Jesse, and the that king is described there, and yet it says later in that same passage that a little child will lead them. You know, I, I mean, again, you see how Wesley is drawing from all kinds of, of promises from the Old Testament, especially those ones given to David, as you brought up. So he's born to deliver his people, born as a child and a king. That that seems kind of past tense, but then very clearly we come into the present, born mm-hmm. to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. Talk about the, the move that Wesley makes in that next line. Yeah, so there, I was jumping the gun a little bit there, thinking of a little town of Bethlehem. Be born in us today, uh, one of our one of our Christmas carols. But the reign of God, the kingdom of God, comes to our hearts, comes to us. Um, so that's how the the kingdom comes to us when we pray in the Lord's prayer, "Thy kingdom come." Well, the kingdom is going to come with or without our prayer. Luther says in the explanation in our small catechism, we pray that it comes to us as well. That comes to comes to us. Um, so that again, you know, we think of uh, of the rain because all of our all of the sin and death and the devil, those enemies are all defeated. And so the the king, our Christ, reigns in our hearts. His peace, his kindness, his love, if they are there, then that's going to overflow, spill over into our lives in this season and beyond. Hmm. Now, you, you've mentioned before the songs from Luke, and we talked about the one recorded from St. Simeon in Luke chapter 2, uh, but perhaps there's a connection here to a different song in, in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1 from Zechariah, the father of John? I see it, because David is there, too, where he sings when John the Baptist is born. Uh, he, the, the Lord has raised up a horn of salvation for us, uh, the sign of God's power. Uh, but then we have consolation, he, the salvation for us in that, uh, because of his servant, or in the house of his servant David. Uh, so again, why is, is David so important? Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Zechariah sings that this horn of salvation would show us mercy. There's the consolation. And remember his holy covenant. Remember all those promises of old that are now fulfilled in Jesus. Mercy and forgiveness, those are signs of that heavenly kingdom. When that comes to our hearts, we have, we have that hope that we can hang on to that's tangible, that's real, the joy that lasts forever, uh, and, and all of that, again, is fulfilled in the, the child that was, was pointed to by John the Baptist. And he is the one who has been born to reign in us forever, to be our king. And so we pray that he would bring that kingdom to us. You mentioned the Lord's Prayer, Thy Kingdom Come, which is a a common prayer in these Advent hymns. 
And mm-hmm. the way Luther describes it in the small catechism that, you know, God's kingdom is going to come whether you pray for it or not. But it is good that we would pray that his kingdom come to us. This hymn helps us to pray just that. Bring your kingdom to us, O Lord. Reign in us forever. Which is how the, the prayer continues. And and even there, you know, as, as, as he continues here, by thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. When you look at how does God's kingdom come? Well, it comes when the Heavenly Father... Our Heavenly Father sends us his Holy Spirit. It's, it's almost like Wesley was, was looking to Luther for, for part of this hymn verse. Uh, talk about that third line of the second stanza. Yeah, it certainly seems that way, because it's only by the Spirit's power that we're able to, to hold on to hope. It's only by the Holy Spirit we're able to hold on to joy and, and wait and, and properly uh, expect our Lord to come. Uh, so it's by the Holy Spirit's power we're able to live for God and, and truly keep this Advent well and, and truly prepare to celebrate Christmas, but also prepare for our Lord to come again. There was the Holy Spirit, of course, that overshadowed Mary, who gave birth to our Savior. Uh, and that Spirit works even now, in our Lord's coming. And, and when we hear the good news of our salvation, when we receive Him in the body and blood, when we remember our baptism, which brings us into the, God's kingdom. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's like Wesley was looking at our small catechism when he wrote this. His prayer is for Christ to rule in our hearts. And that, that rule is because our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit dwells there. Um, so he's perhaps he, Wesley was also aware of the other things that vie for attention in this life, right? Uh, there's a lot of other things that, that, that try to rule our hearts. Uh, so if we're driven by wealth or influence or, or pleasure or anything that isn't God, then, then we're going to be lost. You know, we'll still be sins and, and lost in our sins and fear, slaves to our sins and fear. But if Christ rules our hearts, then we are free in his reign, free so that we have his love and patience and especially his forgiveness and mercy, the signs of his reign in our hearts. Yeah, I mean, it's not explicit in the hymn, but that, that prayer that Christ would be the one to rule in our in our hearts alone, I think is a reminder of the need for repentance during this season of Advent. As we heard John preach yesterday, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he did that in fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy about making straight the way for our God. If something else is ruling in our hearts, then that needs to be cast off of the throne so that Christ alone would, would rule in our hearts. And so I think just with that small prayer there in this third stanza, it is a reminder of the need for repentance here in the season of Advent. And then Wesley closes this hymn with the words, By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Talk, there's, there's some language in here that maybe isn't as common as parts of the other hymn. All-sufficient merit. What What is Wesley talking about? Oh, I love it. So we're talking about the merit of Jesus, you know, his, what he has done in his, his death and his resurrection. That's, that's only Christ uh, that, 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 could, that saves us by grace so that no one can boast. So what does Wesley mean by all-sufficient? I think it means that you can't add to what Christ has done. You can't take away from what Christ has done either. Uh, and that's certainly a Lutheran understanding. So, of course, we can't just let the Methodists have this hymn. We, we need this in our hymn, though, as well. That's a, a wonderful reminder of God's grace. Oh, that's right. So by thine all-sufficient merit... 
then raise us to thy glorious throne. We've been talking about Christ as king throughout. How does this wrap that theme up? Raise us to thy glorious throne. Yes, as anyone else hearing Josh Grobens, you've raised me up, right? <laughs> so we are raised up by Jesus. Uh, that's, that's an implication there. It's, it's not explicit, but I think of our Lord's incarnation. I think of that wonderful Wesley Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them, to give us second birth. So Christ living in us, reigning in our hearts, he raises us, raises us up uh, to be part of that royal family. We are adopted sons and daughters of the king. Yeah, I mean, this the thought of Christ raising us to his glorious throne. I like the connection that you made to the way Wesley speaks about the incarnation and the hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And in my mind, I, I think about the ascension of our Lord. I've, I've often thought about, you know, I, I love Christmas, obviously, and it's good and right that we celebrate it as we do. But I, I think in order to fully appreciate what happens at Christmas, you, you need to celebrate the ascension of the Lord as well. That service 40 days after on on after the, the resurrection of our Lord. And I, I think this idea of raising us to his glorious throne is connected to that, that, that where Christ is, there we are as well. And so as the scriptures speak, we, we reign with him. We, we are, because of what he has done in his incarnation and all the way to his ascension, that we are raised to his glorious throne. Got about a minute here, Pastor Jago. Help us to wrap things up with his hymn and the season of Advent as we've talked about it today. I just thought of the old intro to Christmas Midnight Service. Uh, intro is an introductory psalm. Oh, it all was still, and it was midnight. Your eternal word, O Lord, descended from his royal throne. Um, so the, the eternal word of Christ comes down from the throne, comes down to us even now to raise us up, to lift us up, uh, and, and not despising our human flesh, but being born in human flesh, but still the Son of God who comes to save us. And come thou long-expected Jesus, or O long-expected Jesus, for guided through all those different images of longing, expectation, and, and what can we long for? more uh, than the ultimate hope, joy, and freedom that is in the Christ child who ushers in God's reign on earth, but also in our hearts as well. Pastor Andrew Jago is pastor at Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia, helping us today to look at the hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, number 338 in Lutheran Service Book. Pastor Jago, thanks for being our guest today. My pleasure. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Please send us an email. Let us know your favorite Advent hymn, where you're listening. Send that email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It is always a pleasure to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk again tomorrow.